Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm back in the host seat, Connor Clancy. Um, I'm joined by Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. It's good to be here one more time for 2019, and I thought I'd bring this mug along too to have my morning coffee. It's important to have that mug on the podcast. One of us is obliged each week to do it. I've not got mine this week as I've changed locations. Dovs Giovanni, you've also changed locations. We decided Italy wasn't quite cold enough, so we both ventured a little bit further north. Um, You're in Finland. Hello. I am. I'm in my little wooden box. Are you in a sauna? I am in a sauna, but it's not on. So it's all right. Make sure it doesn't turn itself on. You might have a little accident in there. Um, you're on the pod two weeks in a row, Dov. Oh, the people, the, people, oh. the people must be right. delighted, mate. The right. people must be enthusiastic. And... that charisma <laughs> down a notch, please. Uh-huh. We can't compete if you've got your charisma levels turned up quite that high. Oh, so. Well, well, did you, did you see how high they were last week, mate? Jesus. Yeah, so, and I heard. And you heard. You saw, and heard. Honestly, charisma was off the charts last week, so I'll, I'll bring it down a wee bit since you're in the whole seat. I don't want to overshadow Connor Clancy at the games. So we should call it now. It shouldn't be effort. It's just to be Connor Clancy at the games. That's what it was this weekend. I'll tell you that much stuff. It was at 40% of the Serie A games to take yeah. place. Just me. Just you? Yeah. Did you go to Bergamo? No. Oh. But we'll, we'll get into that. Like, I, I was everywhere else in the north of Italy. It. Right, we're going to start in Bergamo because little old AC Milan went up to Bergamo and they, they put up a fight. They really did themselves proud. They lost 5-0. AC Milan, Dov, lost 5-0 <laughs> to Atalanta. That you watched this. Enough. You did the I report did. on this. Yeah. Am I going too far in saying that it could have been more and it could have even been 8 or 9-0? I would say legitimately seven. I think see, you're going to get seven, but if there are a couple of other half chances, you can maybe go as far as that. But I think you could quite easily have got seven. Um, Milan are rubbish. Like, like, what else can you say? They're just so, so bad. It's only the fourth time in their history they've lost by a five-goal margin. That's how bad they were. And I think the last time was in 1998 against Roma. Yeah. It was the last time. Well, it was um, 21 years ago, Dov, and do you know what happened the next season? Did they win the league? They did. They, they did win the league. So, Milan fans, it's yeah. it's okay. It's it's not, you're going to win the league next year, right? They'll, they'll maybe win the, second, the, like the, the, the bottom half of the league, but that's all they're going to win in terms of a league, because they're rubbish. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it last week or not, but I'm sure you guys have spoken about it. They're just a mess from top to bottom. They don't have owners. Their owners are a hedge fund. Right, 
their directors are Maldini and Boban, who don't really have any experience of being directors at a club. And apparently after Boban's comments following the Atalanta game, where he said it takes more than six months to build a, a kind of... Um, Kind of what they say, a, a, a club like Berlusconi did. Partly, um, Elliot management are a bit angry about that. Um, the players are rubbish. They they have a new coach every eight nine months, and then a new coach brings in X amount of players. It just doesn't work. The the clubs are an absolute mess. And then the, the, apparently Donnarumma was apparently crying after the game. He's got to be thinking to himself, probably Romagnoli as well, like. What? Why are we even staying here? What's the point? Because Milan are going nowhere. And obviously Donnarumma was close. He said, you could see Donnarumma leaving. Romagnoli, possibly, because he changed agent to Mino Raiola. So you could see him going to Juve or something like that. Then what do you do? You start again. And I've seen somebody as well tweet that Milan need to start with young, hungry players. Like, they've got one of the youngest squads in the entire league as well. So, there's not like they're playing 35-year-olds. They've literally got all these things that people want, and they're just rubbish. Yeah, what, well, what, one of their what, older what players is Jack Benaventura, is one of their older players, and he's had a contract in the summer. Where so he can or Clancy? Well, we I both know you, where I, I think he's I've seen you trying to engineer. I heard you mention it last week. Mm. But in... So in, what, eight days, he can speak to any club he wants for a free transfer in eight days. And you take Frank Kessie and Andrea Conte as well, just bring them you all know back. What? Well, Conte wouldn't be welcomed back in Bergamo after the way he left. But if, if Kessie went back to Atalanta, he'd be okay again. You get the feeling that Gasparini would coach something, coach him in a way that would make him useful to that team. Mm. And he would be able to contribute quite a lot, as we saw him do before under Gasparini. Well, he liked Papu Gomez's postcard, Clancy. He's already putting the, uh, yeah. the positive vibes out. Yeah. Let's not let's not be speaking about that because I know you've got some controversial, joking opinions that we shouldn't say on air. But Peter, Dov spoke about Milan changing coach all the time. There's players being terrible, the backroom staff being a mess. Is it fixable? At the moment, I don't think it's fixable whatsoever. Uh, Pioli was an appointment that was frowned upon from the very start. Uh, a lot of these players have been criticised throughout this decade. And it goes to show that, you know, when you're being run like this off the field, there doesn't seem to be many positive signs. I mean, months ago, there was a report that you know, AC Milan were reporting at a bigger loss than usual off the pitch. So under the current... Uh, management and current ownership, I cannot see them progressing on or off the pitch. I think at the end of the day, the real change has to be off the field because then I reckon that's going to filter into the locker room and the squad. Most of these players, uh, would they really do much better at other clubs? Perhaps maybe other provincial clubs, but very few of them. Maybe the aforementioned uh, Donnarumma and uh, Romagnoli could move to bigger teams, but that's really a battle. Yeah. Or well, who, possibly who, who, Theo Hernandez. Who gets into that Juve team from Milan, Vito? Which players who, Which players from Milan get into the Juve team? Would get into the first team? I'll be honest, at this stage, no, no, not even Donnarumma Romagnoli. No. Not with great confidence, no. Forget Juve. Which Would of those? Get inter team, none. Yeah, Inter <laughs> Even go to Atalanta, right? They wouldn't get into that team. Donnarumma, okay. Romagnoli, okay. The others, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even consider it, to be honest. Not Benacer, no? You don't have a Benacer, Robert Krunic. No, I wouldn't. Roman Krunic, no? You don't want Lucas Biglia? No, I think I'll pass on Lucas Biglia. Do do you want Rebic? He was going to be the best thing ever. He came to Milan. He was going to be great. Do you want Rebic? He's going to go back to... Yes. Somewhere else. Oh, what about Rafael Liao? He goes and gets wasted after matches. Is this a thing? Well, well, he went to the club with uh, Calabria. And he was I mean, fair guys. enough. They're on the Christmas drink, holiday. Drink, drinking and smoking after after being beaten 5 0, Cora Clancy. Yeah, Outrage. they want to forget about it. They Outrage. want to forget about it. So you would. What but, they should do is go to Cagliari with Nangala and have a great time because they're allowed to do that down there. <laughs> They'd all have a lovely time. Duff, you were speaking about how problematic everything at the club is um 
what's the first step they need to take to actually start fixing things? They need to get a new owner. They need to get an owner that actually cares. But have they not tried this? Well, no, well, yeah, no, but but obviously, Yong Hong Lee was a bit of a charlatan, um, and essentially they were they've been repossessed. So they're not they don't they have an owner, but it's a hedge fund. It's not a person. They need a person, in about they need not obviously not Berlusconi, but um, who's the guy? The guy that owns Louis Vuitton. He's apparently interested in buying the club for like a billion euros or something like that. If you get somebody who has a vision, has enough money, and can organise the non-sporting aspect of it, then yeah, great, you've got a chance. But you, they're not really. What are they worth? Like this guy's going to spend a billion euros on a team that doesn't even have a stadium. This is the thing, right? Because if you're looking to invest in football, Milan aren't an attractive. Football is always a bad investment, anyway. Yeah. But like Milan, in terms of assets, they've got Milanello. Okay, great. They've got the playing squad. Okay, great. But that's it. Yeah. Well, you did a video oh, with. Oh, they've got the Casa Milan as well. They've got Casa Milan. That's a nice it. building. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did a video for the BBC talking about the the stadium issue. Can you go into that? What do you want me to say? It's not going to happen. Well, it's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen in about by the time this podcast is doing its fiftieth anniversary or something like that the bureaucracy and red tape and just everything in italy is basically gone against i think a week after the uh the proposals were were made by the 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 architecture companies the the citizen the 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 kind of community around san siro had a like a meeting to see what their thoughts were and they all said no no we don't want a new building site on our doorstep for four years even though that, and they were like, we want just to redevelop the San Siro. And not, well, maybe they did realise, but their logic just defies me. It's like the, the, the San Siro to redevelop it would take six years and it would be a building site on their doorstep. So it's just, it's a weird thing. It's like people have their nostalgia. The, the first tier is like, it's almost like a listed building because it was it's so old. I think it was built in 1926. So there's kind of all these factors in. And, and then, the easiest comparison to make is Roma Stadium. That was supposed to be open by now. Mm. It's not even started getting built because yeah. of bureaucracy and red tape. And the, the same is going to happen in Milan. There's not going to be a new stadium anytime soon. Or if there is, it's not going to be at San Siro. No, I agree with that. You and I both know how anything bureaucratic works in Italy as well. It takes a lot longer than it should, especially when it's on such a big scale. Vito, if we're looking at Milan coming into January... Give me three areas they need to strengthen more than any other. <laughs> just three? Yeah, just three. Oh, <laughs> that's extremely tough. Uh, well, if you really have to limit it to three, um, I would say I can get another centre-back to pair Romagnoli because whoever else is there has not been overly impressive. I can another box-to-box midfielder who's competent on the ball. Uh, you know, alongside uh, where they've got there now. So, uh, unfortunately, Pakita hasn't really clicked on. So, maybe someone else, someone who's got better ball control than Frank Kessie does. And possibly a right winger that's going to really put serious pressure on Suzo or force Suzo to be benched because Samu Castellejo has rarely made any serious impact over the last 18 months. So if we're going to look at the other side of this, Atalanta were pretty good, weren't they? They were, they were. Um, what's his name? Robin Gussens. He was, he was quite good. I quite liked him and was it Castagna on the other side as well. They, they were owning it. And then Ilicic as well. He had one of his good games. He did. So it's, it's, yeah, they were all over the park. It's like watching them. It was interesting. It's like any time Milan had the ball, particularly in their own half, they were on them. They had about two or three players kind of around that kind of cut off any passing lanes Milan tried to have. And that, that kind of putting that pressure on Milan and knowing how rubbish and how short of confidence they are, it really just it scared them and made them make mistakes. And I think it was it was the second or third goal when Pasilic stole it in midfield and then laid off, I think it was maybe the second, where he laid off Ilicic. And yeah, it just basically so. just just put pressure on the uh, the Milan midfield, and that was it. Goal. 
Yeah, well, it did actually look like at times that Atalanta had one or two or th- even three extra players yeah. on the pitch because they were just all over them, like you say. Yeah. Um, which is probably a bit of an indictment on Milan as much of it as it is praise for Atalanta. Papu <laughs> Gomez's veto was given on an honorary citizenship in Bergamo following in Giampiero Gasparini's footsteps. Um, deserved. Well, uh, absolutely. And it goes to show what an impact this latest Atalanta side has made in recent years to have first Gasparini and then Papu get honorary citizenship in Bergamo. They haven't won a trophy yet, like the Coppa Italia, which they did back in 1963. But I think this side, for what it's done so far, is already going to be in the history of the club because they've really exceeded expectations. And they weren't able to win the Coppa Italia this year. But I think also with the qualification for the round of 16 in the Champions League, I think that is just something out of the ordinary and... uh, at the moment, I don't see a drop-off from La Dea just yet. And Papu Gomez is one of the main reasons for this recent run of success for the club. They're, such a, Go. they're, no, they're a team as well. And I think the stat that, that, I, that I tweeted out on, on the Twitter account, obviously, that only Man City have more players that have scored five or more goals in the top five European leagues this season. Um, so... You're looking for a team that that score goals, a team that play together like Atalanta. What only behind City? That, that's that's good going. Yeah. Well, they've scored 43 goals in Serie A this season. Milan have scored 16. Um, <laughs> but they've got Piontek. They they've got Piontek. And they've got Rafael Yao and yep. who else? Who else have they got that's up front? Rebic. I forgot Rebic. I mentioned Rebic again. Yeah. Great striker. Great striker. Anyway, um, Milan fans, we can start listening again. We're going to. Zlatan's gonna coming back on. as well, Conor Carnes. They'll have Zlatan. So that no, be... he's going to go to Everton and play with Carlo Ancelotti. He's going to retire. <laughs> yeah, he probably is, isn't he? He probably is. But anyway, we will move on from that. The first game of this round took place on Wednesday evening because Juve were in Supercoppa Italiana action this weekend. So they went to Genoa on Wednesday. They beat Sampdoria 2 1. And I think Cristiano Ronaldo scored a goal or something, Duff. It was. I was there. I did FF at the games that day. I seen it with my own eyes. What happened? Did he jump up as high as you? He jumped really high. He jumped really high. Not not quite as high as me, but he jumped really high. Um, and then headed it in. Great, great stuff. It sounds it sounds good. <laughs> is, it, is it apart from that, the game? The game was all right, but it's like the people I think are getting a bit overexcited. Um, one of our colleagues tried to make this. Um, the best goal of the season so far, yeah, which um, she was told off by. I think she, you and I both told her off about how stupid that is to have that the best goal of the season so far. Um, but it was all right. Alexandro getting a trio of assists, so that was good. And Ronaldo obviously got that goal. But that was it. It was just kind of, it was almost like another routine win for, for Juve, to be perfectly honest. I think, although it was only, it was what, 2-1, but... I think it was one of those games where you could have seen Juve getting another couple of goals if they needed them. Um, and Dybala's goal as well was a really good one. A lovely volley from the edge of the area. So it was, yeah, some good goals from Juve that day. Paolo Dybala's been one of the, their best players this season, actually. Him and Gonzalo Higuain, who they were both, they were desperate to get rid of in the summer. Yeah, I think he's been their best player. I think Dybala is absolutely... He's, after all the stuff that happened last season with him not being in the team and not really working well with Ronaldo, to this season, and obviously the summer as well with the potential moves and stuff like that, to this season, he is the, he's the key player in that team. Not Ronaldo, not Higuain, not Pjanic. Not, no, but it's him. He's the one that makes them tick. He's the one that's scoring. He's the one that's setting up the other players. He's the one that's going to... Starting the moves and things like that in the in the final third of the pitch, and it's so it's a coup for for them to have kept him because if he went, then I think they'd had a bit more of a difficult season than what they kind of have had at times so far. Yeah, Vito. Well, Dybala's resurgence under Sari is that a systemic thing? So does Maurizio Sari therefore deserve credit for finally getting the best out of Dybala again at Juve? Oh, absolutely. Although Dybala had a fantastic 2017-2018 season under Allegri, 
last season was a rather disappointing one and it seemed that the relationship at least from the outside looking in was rather strained between Allegri and Dybala I think the attacking principles of Sari are very beneficial to the team and to Dybala in particular uh, the way he's playing now is a bit closer to goal but he can still contribute in the build-up play and uh, I reckon uh, as the season progresses we'll see Dybala get better and better and he's already having a fantastic season as it is. Well, look at the league table. Juve are on 42 points, 17 games, 13 wins, 3 draws, 1 loss. And there's another team with an identical record. It's Inter. They're still up there. 42 points, 17 games, 13 wins, 3 draws, 1 defeat. Dov, you were also at this game. They beat Genoa 4-0. They like beating Genoa. Roberto Gallardini <laughs> in particular loves playing Genoa. Mm. Um, business as usual. Oh, Genoa rubbish. <laughs> like, like if we talk about Milan v rubbish and and other, but honestly, Genoa are really, really bad. Obviously, they are now after the weekend's games, they're bottom of Serie A, um, and you're just you're just really wondering like how they are going to get themselves out of the mess they're in. And the weird thing is that I seen I think the first two game, first two rounds of the season, I thought, wow, this team's actually got something. They're going to get. I think I even tipped them to do mid table, something like that, possibly even Europa League. And since then, they've been horrendous. They've got injuries, fair enough, but obviously Thiago Motta was supposed to come in and implement this weird. Um, Two, like like horizontal two seven fifteen or whatever the hell he's gonna do, and it's just rubbish. It doesn't work because you've got the same players there that are not very good. Um, interestingly, Lasse Shona, obviously he was at Ajax last season. Um, he made a little quip in the mix zone on like kind of not really to anybody in particular. Basically saying that uh, he's not really got many nice things to say about Genoa at this moment in time. So read into that what you will. Yeah, well, you say you saw them earlier in the season and they looked all right. I saw them on Parma in week eight and they got pumped 5-0. And I remember saying on the podcast, they were horrid, like really, Mm. really bad. And it looks like whatever bursts they've shown this season are very much just flashes in the pan. They've only won two games. I mean, that's disgraceful to have only won two games out of... 17. Even even Spal have won three, and Spal have been terrible this season. Udinese have won more than that, Conor Clancy. We know how much you hate them. Udinese have won five matches. Uh, I'm a bit softer on them this week because their um, press facilities are phenomenal. But But, we'll get uh, to them. Inter were good, though. Lukaku smashed it. Lukaku. Lukaku. And and your man is Posito. The, the second youngest Inter player ever to score in Serie A. And obviously we've got to mention Lukaku giving him the penalty as well. Because obviously Lukaku would normally have taken it and that would have uh, gave him his second goal and obviously eventually they got his hat-trick. But um, Esposito started his first start as well and big Romelu handed him the ball and he tucked it away and he went crying to his mummy. Look, everyone's talking about how great a guy Romelu Lukaku is. And I don't disagree with that. But, but there's a but, Vito. You listen to this but. No, no, no. That's done. We'll just leave that to everyone on Twitter because I love Lukaku. Nice guy. Intelligent. All, all of that. But Esposito. Because that was his first goal. And he's, he's played quite a few times this season, Dov. And yeah. he, there's a talent there. But should he have maybe scored already this season? Maybe. Um, I can't think of any massive chances that he's missed, to be honest. There's probably maybe been one or two, but there's nothing that comes uh, off the top of my head. He's 17. Um, how many 17-year-olds did we, like, you can go back and say he's going to be the next big thing. He's 17 years old and essentially nothing has come of it. Obviously, Inter are looking for a striker in January. That's going to limit his opportunities even further. And there, there, he's, he's not done anything to say that right? he should be starting in the team every week. Maybe if he's patient next season or whatever, he could get some more game things. But I can see him at some point he'll be out on loan. And then depending on how he does out on loan, that'll uh, see how like kind of see how he does enter after that. I'm, 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 there's there's nothing that I've seen. I'm thinking, wow, this kid's really really good. If you know what I mean. Um, for his sake, that's probably a good thing that <laughs> he's not having all this 
heaped onto him so early on. But we'll move on. The last game I was at this weekend, the last of my four, was in the stunning little town, Reggio Emilia. Oh, lovely where... place. Vito, have you been to Reggio Emilia? Actually, I have not. I've only just been past it on the train. Oh, you should go to it, mate. It's the, it's the loveliest little town in Italy. It's quaint and beautiful. Vito, uh, don't I'll probably just go there for food. Don't. It's a hole. <laughs> You've no reason to go to Reggio Emilia. Uh, the food's all right. They invented the tricolor and they don't let anyone forget about it. But <laughs> Sassuolo play there, interestingly, given that they're from another village in another province in the same region. But they do. And they went 1-0 up against Napoli, but Napoli came back for... I had to read this stat about five times before I put it in the opening line of my match report. For their first win, Vito, since October 19th in Serie A. That's over two months they went without a win. And they're still eight. But onwards and upwards for Gattuso. Well, at least it's a good sign for him now after losing to Parma last week. Uh, obviously, it, the club needs the win after going that long without a league win. And uh, Gattuso needs to try and yeah, make a good positive start to his reign and get the points on the board to make uh, De Laurentiis happy, especially after the whole fiasco that's gone on in the last couple of months because uh, Napoli, to me, they're not a team that should be in eighth place. I don't think uh, they're a team capable of challenging for trophies, and that's nothing more than a dream now, but I think they should be a team that's at least fighting for the Europa League or even Champions League spots uh, uh, Eighth place, I think, is too low for the players that they have at this stage. Mm. So we spoke about Nap or Milan rather being a bit of a mess away from the pitch. Could you argue that Napoli's problems are more to do with Aurelio De Laurentiis kind of making his players hate everything that happens at Napoli? Yeah, I think their their problems are very much self-inflicted by the hierarchy. I think, um, and I. <laughs> I think Ancelotti's coach is a bit too, for me, blase and obviously style's a bit laid back, but it just seemed like his time at Napoli was more taking it easy, having a wee holiday in the south of Italy, not really worrying too much about things. And I think with the squad, like Vito said, that, that Napoli have, they should not be in eighth place. Like, what you say about Milan, like, the players aren't very good, but one thing you can say about Napoli, they've got a squad that should be in the top four easily um but you were there for what did you think because they were getting beat at one point and we thought here we go again didn't we um we did uh, you might have seen if you were on wordpress i had my report drafted after about 30 minutes because mm-hmm. um they were disgraceful and I- i've thought about using that word because it's quite a strong word but for the first half they were soulless lifeless they had nothing they didn't run they didn't look like they cared. And Sassuolo were playing with them, like absolutely playing with them. Caputo should have scored twice. Sassuolo should have gone in at halftime at least 3-0 up, but they didn't. And Napoli came out in the second half, and to their credit, they were a much better team. Gattuso must have ripped into them at the break because they were running and they were pressuring Sassuolo and they were moving the ball with some purpose. Um then when Alan scored a really, really good goal, which I think Milik deserves credit for, by the way, because the ball was played into his feet and he dummied it when it looked like he was going to take it on himself. And Alan did well to kind of dig out the shot and put it in the top corner. But after they got the equaliser, it was very much, okay, Napoli are going to go on and win this. Um, Callihan had a goal that was ruled out for offside by, I think, the length of his kneecap or something. If even the width of his kneecap was offside, it was very, 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 very tight anyway. Um, they missed a couple of chances, but in the end, it was a, a gift. Pedro Biang with an own goal in the 93rd minute to give Gattuso his first win. And it's hard to argue against them deserving it based on their second half performance, but if that game, if it was possible for Napoli to walk out of there at halftime, I think they probably would have just left and said, all right, 1-0, fine. No, they but, wouldn't have been allowed, and De Laurentiis would have said no. And locked them in the Mape Stadium and have had then a they, forever. Then they definitely would have done it though, because they don't do anything he tells them to do. But yeah, it was Napoli were two different teams. First half they were a disgrace. They looked like a Serie C team 
who had been playing against Juve in the Coppa Italia or something. And second half, they were very, very good. More like the Napoli, we, we know they were moving the ball quickly. And when they move the ball quickly, they've got players of, an, of a level who can, who can hurt you. And Sassuolo, who, to be fair to Sassuolo, right? Defensively, they're quite good this season. And I think it was two weeks ago, there was a stat that they had conceded the fewest shots on target in Serie A, which shows they're quite a good unit and they do make it difficult to actually break them down. But Napoli kind of did struggle with that because a few of their shots were from outside the box, except for the, the goals, which were a bit messy. But anyway, that's that. Napoli are on 24 points and they're still mm, 11 off Champions League. So it's difficult for Gattuso, but I'm sure he'll try and get them back into the top four anyway. Elsewhere, where else was I? I was everywhere. Ah, Fiorentina lost again, Vito. They played Roma, who are quite good this season. And they were beaten 4-1. Vincenzo Matello was sacked afterwards, and he probably can't have too many complaints about that. No. He had a good run a few months ago, but... uh... The last month or so has been very woeful, to say the least, from Fiorentina. And I think not just the results, but performance-wise, I think he showed that he's failed to evolve as a coach since he left Fiorentina the first time round. They're just far too pedestrian possession. And they're not a team that press a lot. I mean, they attack, but they're not a team that's going to charge the opponents down, uh, compress the space and limit passing options for the opposition. So as much as I don't like to say it, uh, I think it was a deserved sacking, but I don't think who they've replaced represents much of a long-term option. And that is Beppe Iacchini. Yeah, it's a strange appointment, Vito, isn't it? It's strange considering his record overall as a coach. He's earned promotion to Serie A a few times and... There are some clubs where he's actually done reasonably well, but his last job was at Empoli, and he was sacked from them because he couldn't get them out of the relegation zone. They had to bring back Andrea Zoli, and they had a good run near the end, but it wasn't enough to survive relegation. So I think it represents a big risk, but the one positive is that he played for the club in the early 90s so although the atmosphere will be much different to 25 30 years ago at least he is someone that's familiar with the city and maybe can use his motivational skills to fire up the players until the end of the season is it a kind of, is a kind of a damning sign though about where Fiorentina are now because Yakin is a firefighter he comes in to stop teams getting relegated or to try to stop teams getting relegated and Vito Fiorentina have Frank Ribery Kevin Prince Boateng. Um, what's the other guy's name? Federico Chiesa, Gaetano Castrovilli. They shouldn't be doing this. No, they should be doing... They're another team that should be doing much better than what they are doing at the moment. To me, they're not a team that should be fighting relegation. But I think it also goes to the way Montella coaches. He has those plays you've just mentioned, but regardless if it's his formation or his... Football philosophy, he just wasn't able to fit them into an appropriate structure or style of play that was going to bring the best out of them. And now with Yakini taking over, I don't think uh, he's really ideal for those particular players either. So it's more or less a case of this season's already a write-off, just limp over the line and then hopefully, if they are still in Serie A by the end of the season... They should, in my opinion. Um, Hopefully they can persuade Spalletti or another coach of a better quality than Iacchini for 2020-2021. I think, Vito, the problem with Spalletti is he's still under contract to enter. Well, that's why he hasn't got the job now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, obviously he's on a lot of money. And I think even in the summer, Inter are going to either have to pay him his money in one go or... Um, Fiorentina will have to buy him out of the contract and given the amount it is I don't think they'll be prepared to do it so I think you're going to maybe see some other <laughs> coaches bouncing in and out of Florence until Spalletti's ready because um, I think he's a natural one because he's a Fiorentina fan as well so he's a kind of natural you think to to go there mm-hmm. Dov, does Vincenzo Montella keep getting employed because he's a really nice guy? 
I have no idea, Connor Clancy. You were there. What do you think? I think that might be the case because he's, he's a really nice good. guy and he's, he's not, not a very, very good, good coach. No, no, he's not. I think I think it was at the start of the season and I look I was looking at his time at Sevilla at the end of last season and then the start of Fiorentina and like I think in that time he's only won four matches from like March in the domestic leagues, Spain and Italy till now. Or maybe five matches, but like in about nine months he's won four four games, five games. In yeah, well, that was after Fiorentina as well, remember? He took yeah, over. You know, not, yeah, at the end, it's the end of time at Sevilla. Mm. Was it, no, yeah, and when he's been at Fiorentina, he's won like four or five games or something like that. It's rubbish. Yeah, well, he got pumped in the derby with Sevilla as well against Betis, right? Yeah. That was, what, five? I think. Yeah, so it's... Five, three. Oh. It's mm. just not very good. He's, no. he's just, I, th- I think now, after Milan, after Sevilla... After another stint in Fiorentina, I think time's up. Does he get away with it because he tries to play what people consider to be nice football? But it's not nice football. You you were there. Was no, it exactly. did, did they try and play nice football? Well, I wrote actually. If you read what well, I wrote, what, what did you write, Conor Clancy? Yeah. Where did you write that, Conor Clancy? ForzaItalianFootball.com. Stop referring to me by my full name, you pest. Um, but no, it's hard to work out what Fiorentina were actually trying to do. Because the players looked confused. There was one time where Petzala tried to play. Um, well, it looked like he was trying to play a 15-yard like pass diagonally forward to his right. It, it, there were no players between him and whoever it was. So he could have just rolled it along the ground. But he booted it and it went like way high into the stands. You know when you were like a, a kid at school? And you'd be playing football, little seven-a-side game or whatever, and you'd get the, the big clogger who went at the back and you, you'd ask him to pass you the ball and he'd just, boom, toe punt it. It was like that. It was ridiculous and he's a professional footballer. But there were Gaetano Castrovilli as well, he's obviously got a lot of talent, right? But he's incredibly frustrating because he seems to just try and do everything himself and try to do what he wants to do rather than what's actually best for the situation and for the team. Chiesa is another one who really bothers me. He didn't play on Friday, but he does that very same thing. And without Ribery, they've not got a team, basically. When Ribery's there, they have some hope because give the ball to Frank and he'll probably do something, as he saw at San Siro and as he did to Atalanta as well. But now Fiorentina have problems. Um, I, th- I think you... the, the, one, the one thing that there's probably a positive for them there are three worse teams in Serie A than them. Right. So they're not going to get relegated. I think that that's like the only positive really that you can think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But we've got... Ribery's out until February at the earliest probably, right? So he could easily get injured again in a season. Done. And without Frank Ribery... Well, he's old, but he's like 100 years old. So yeah, I, mean... I know. I'm not holding it against him. But I'm just saying... Fiorentina could easily go down. No, Very easy. Last year, Genoa, Spal, Brescia, and Lecce. Lecce. No, Genoa, Spal, Brescia, and Lecce, and arguably Sampdoria are all worse than them. I think Spal the will be are... fine by the end of the season. Um, <laughs> from from what I've so? seen of both of these teams this season, Spal have shown me a lot more than Fiorentina. How many teams? Spal... How many Serie A teams have you seen this season? Connor? I've seen all of them. Mate, oh, really? Well, no, that's the reason oh. I went to Udine and travelled about a thousand kilometres over the course of the weekend. But Spal know what it takes to stay up as well. Spal know how to get into these relegation fights and just pick up points by the end of the season. They've got Semplici in charge who's done, what, 200 games? I think I was at his 200th game as Spal coach recently. He knows those players. Those players know him. The fans love the team. They love Semplici. There's not going to be like a toxic atmosphere there. They know what to do. Vito, do you think Gora Clancy goes to Ferrara often? Well, I've seen that he has been to Ferrara. (laughs) And he's in a good position to do so. I need to get back in January, by the way, because I've not been since, I think, round nine to Ferrara. And before that, I was there basically for all of their home games. So Mm -hmm. we need to get me back to to Spal because they know what's down there. So we need to show a face. But anyway, um, Spal will be all right. Speaking of Spal, they showed that fight in Turin. On... You're, not, you're not going to talk about Roma? They were, they scored four goals. We talk about Roma a lot. But they were against Fiorentina. All right, so it doesn't count then. There you go, no, Vito. Uh, right. We're not talking about Roma. Roma were good, okay? Chris Smalling was amazing. 
<laughs> he was against Fiorentina. Um, Nicola Zaniolo, Vito, I saw you got him in your team of the week. Do you want to speak about Zaniolo? Yes. Well, I included Smalling, Jacko, and Zaniolo, and Lorenzo Pellegrini was unfortunate to miss out. But uh, Zaniolo. You put Jacko in? Yeah. To assist in a goal, mate. To assist yeah, in a goal. Yeah, two assists in a goal. Yeah. I'd have had Pellegrini in a book, but anyway, continue. But uh, yes, uh, Zaniolo in particular, I thought he was once again a joy to watch. Just such a graceful footballer, and you know, even at just twenty, just the way he carries himself in that Roma team, whether it's you know picking a pass or scoring a goal, um, again, it's another one to the collection of already fine performances that he's had so far with the Giallorossi. Collar of great. Beautiful free kick. If that was messy, it would go viral. He's just, he's such a dick as well, though. And <laughs> it's great. It's it, these little things that he knows just gets everyone in the stadium really annoyed with him. And then he just scores the goal and stands and turns around like, what are you going to do? But that, that free kick was stunning. His, his free kicks are one of the best things in Serie A. Um, yeah, Spal, they beat Torino 2 1, came from behind. A big, big win for them. Vito, you can talk about this. Yes. Um, I thought that Torino probably could have added a bit more gloss to that uh, lead that they got early on. And uh, that Spal needed a trip Berisha to pull up some fine saves. And I th- and he was another one that made my team of the week. I thought he was fantastic for them when it mattered the most. Uh, the red card, I think, was to Bremer to Torino, that really made things better for Spal to really get into the game. But I think there's three standouts for Spal who really made the difference in that win were Berisha with his saves, as I said. Gabriel Strafezza, he's usually played on the right side, but in this game he moved to the left, and I thought it was superb. He got the equaliser, but I thought whenever he touched the ball, he was just electrifying. And if he can be utilised more by Semplici, I think he'll be another rev- Revelation for them. And then, of course, Andrea Patania. He scored the winner, but I thought his all-round performance in that game was fantastic. And again, he's another one that was unlucky to miss my team in a week because I thought it showed what he's about. He's tall. He got the goal with a header. And obviously, he's tall enough, but he's got that physical presence. He's got the work ethic. And for... A rather, you know, tall and solid play. He's got very good ball control. He just needs to be more confident and have more self-belief. Otherwise, he can be a much more devastating centre forward than what he is. This was his thing at Atalanta. He was always genuinely one of the better performers every week, but he couldn't score. So Atalanta needed someone to actually take the chances they were creating, which they got in Zapata. But Patania did everything except for a score and his his work rate was so appreciated and they still like him there now because of this but yeah I, I think Patani is a very very good player um I know we've had discussions about this on the pod but the big man is going to help them stay up but I'm glad you men- mentioned Strafezza because he has been very good this year um that was his first goal in Serie A but he's been probably their most creative outlet the player who has come the closest to giving them what they lost when Lazzari went to Lazio. And yeah, I think he's going to be important for them. I knew you'd like him, Vito, because he reminds me a bit of Riccardo Rossellini in the way he can be really maddening and really frustrating, but he's got something about him. He's quick. He's tricky. He is probably a nightmare to play against. And he's another one. He's a little bit dirty, which is, it's nice. (laughs) like that in a player. But We'll move up the table to a team who are sitting just outside of the European places. Parma, they're two points off. Cagliari. Everyone's been singing Cagliari's praises this season. Parma are just two points behind them, Dov. No, they're more than that. They're two points off Cagliari. No, they've not. Cagliari have got 29 points. Yeah, they're four points off Parma have got, yeah, well, you go. <laughs> mathematics. That's Irish mathematics, everybody. <laughs> right, but four points still isn't very many. They've right. they've only won one game fewer than Cagliari, yeah, so okay. it, they're not doing too bad. Yeah, they're doing all right. You were there, so you tell us. And um, they weren't very good at the weekend. But there was, they, was that another 90th minute go by an, an Atalanta boy. Was it? This not? was yeah, an Atalanta loanee whipped it into an Atalanta boy to equalise against Brescia and keep them in the relegation. I, I mean, it was 
it must have been quite Atalanta, beautiful. Atalanta just won the weekend, didn't they, really? Yeah, I mean, if you're Bergamasco watching that and you, you see two Atalanta players link up to keep Brescia in the bottom three and then you go on them, or, or it was after they had pumped Milan 5-0, that's a good weekend's work for you. But, no, Grassi, I'm so happy for him. And I tweeted this because he left Atalanta, I think, in 2015 or 16 originally. He went to Napoli. And didn't didn't get a look in. Went, got loaned back to Atalanta when Gasp was there, but the midfield was so settled, he barely got a look in. Um, went to Parma. Got, no, he went... Where did he go? He was at Spal, I think. And he mm. did quite well. Then mm. he went to Parma and was just settling into the team and got a really bad injury. He was out for a long time. Mm. And he was still trying to like come back and establish himself because Parma's midfield is all right with there and Annie Brugman and Kuchka. Do you want a statistic, Conor Clancy, about Grassi? He's played the same amount of games this season for Parma than he did the whole of last season already. There, there you go. go. There Only you go. seven, mind, but... <laughs> yeah, well, this so. is it. Last year, he was so good when he was playing and then he gets this injury. Um, so that was his first goal for Parma and I think his first goal in Serie A since he was playing for Atalanta. So I was very happy to see him score and it was a, it was a good goal. Cristiano Ronaldo would have been proud of that jump and header. But... Um, the assist maker, he, he's he, he's unstoppable, Kulusevski. He does something in every game. Calm down, Carl Clancy. Unstoppable is a bit much. But no one's been able to stop him this season. It's the definition of unstoppable. Should, should we go and see the teams that have stopped Parma from scoring this season? <laughs> then we can see. Right, but, these these are the, 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 the unstoppable. I think he's made 11 assists in like... In all competitions. Happy, right? Maybe. I think he's got seven assists. Seven assists. maybe. Oh, it's 11 goals because he scored four. Um, but so he's been yeah, involved in 11 goals. That's the one. He's 19. This is his first season playing professional football. It's not bad. That's all right, yeah. It's not bad. But yeah, I, well, you talk about him every week. So it's yeah. like everybody, everybody knows him. Even like, he's, he's getting attention in the UK and stuff because you watch sharp about him. So Right, but I can't because he does it every week. <laughs> This is the thing. I'm not just talking about him to talk about him. Every time I watch Palmer play, I just end up thinking, oh, this guy's amazing because he does it every single week and he works really hard and I just love him. I really hope he doesn't leave Palmer. All right, all right. Jesus Christ. Going to the Tardini will be a lot more depressing if he's not there because I can't stick watching Gervinho and only Gervinho every week. But anyway, that'll do. Um, Calgary, they're everyone's favourite team this year but they've now lost two games in a row after going 13 games unbeaten and robbed, robbed they lost Clancy. against a team robbed. who aren't very good Udinese robbed how because Rolando Moran doesn't deserve to lose games <laughs> <laughs> well he needs to coach them better then uh, they were coached just fine Joe Pedro was just, uh, <laughs> just ready to get the comeback and then Fofana ruined it and then Pizakani was sent off at the end as well for no reason. Ridiculous. Uh, there was a very funny moment at this, actually. Um, Dov, you've been to the Stadio Friuli as press, right? That Dacia Arena, mate. It's a Dacia Arena. Dacia Arena, whatever. But you know the way the, the sky boxes are like directly above the press area? Mm-hmm. Well, the one directly above my seat was occupied by some Sardinians. And when <laughs> Cagliari got their equaliser, there was a woman like leaning out her little she opened the door was leaning over like giving the fingers all the hand gestures to everybody screaming <laughs> obscenities it was amazing because like, she knows the car you were robbed Cora Clancy she but, knows but then about 30 seconds later Udinese went to score so everyone turned around and she walked in and closed the skybox so yeah. no one could see her she knows but it was great. Well, you it were was... there. What did you think? Udinese were great. No, um, it was oh. a really bad game. Yeah. It was saved by the last bit of excitement towards the end. The quality was poor. Rodrigo de Paul is annoying because he's obviously got ability, but he's got problems. I mean, he's... What kind he's of got... problems, Conor Clancy? He's got a bad attitude, it seems. Do you not, do you not like his attitude? I think he's one of those that, that he thinks the world's against them. Well, yeah. he's, he's playing for the Danese, so... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, break. there's probably a reason for that, right? If he was playing he's at the level... He's inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. He is inconsistent. And when he came off, he was... He didn't... He was poor on Saturday. But he got a good yes. goal, but was generally poor. 
And then he came off and the, the dugouts at the Dacha Arena are glass. So you can see what's happening. He was sitting there like punching the seat, going mad. Because he maybe felt he could give so much more to the team, Connor class. Right. In the hour or so that he was on the pitch, he proved otherwise. Right. He was okay. poor. Um, Fofana was good. He was all over the place. Um, Okaka's huge. Mm. Uh, he shouldn't be a footballer. That's what not should what... Be, say. A I don't know, a weightlifter or something. He's, weightlifter. he's massive. I know. It's, it's mad. Imagine having like him and Batania up front. Oh. Just to have the two of them on. That's like two wardrobes. Just stick them up there. So like, Don't move, guys. We'll sort you out. Right. This is why you need to send me back to Ferrara, dog. I want to have a word with him. <laughs> you be like... You know the way you like one big man? How do you think about playing with two big men? Get two big men. There you go. Right. Why not? You could get big Stefano on Andrea's shoulders. They could jump. And Inter should sign the two of them, actually. And then imagine having Lukaku or Kaka and Petania. That That's going to like take the Europa League by storm. That would... I would probably pay €100 Euro for a match ticket to see the three of them play up front together for a team. Just don't move, guys. Just don't move. <laughs> yeah, because that team could it's only play... Yeah, just hoof it. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to see that against, like, I don't know, Napoli in their prime under Sarri. That'd be great. That would be fantastic to see. Um, right. We didn't mention that Parma drew one all with Brescia, did we? But um, yes, I, did. Did. Yeah, we mentioned the we you mentioned see, them, but I don't you think get old, Conor Clancy. You can't remember what's going on anymore. Um, I, shut up. <laughs> Last game, Lecce two, Bologna oh. three. Very good. Very Orsolini good. Orsolini again. Orsolini, yeah, very oh. good. Orsolini was very good. Did you see his his second goal? Their third goal. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Vito, you love Orsolini. Talk about him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, again, it goes to show that, you know, on his day, when he actually switches on, he can be the difference maker for Bologna. Just uh, when he's on... He's on and he's great. He just has to avoid making those mistakes like he did weeks ago in the Inter Bologna game when he got away with the penalty. This game is what Orsolini's about. If uh, if Palacio's not going to score goals, let him do it because you can't rely on Santander or Destro. They're rubbish. Yeah, they're barely even footballers anymore. Um, but yeah, true. Lecce nearly completed a five-back. Bologna were 3-0 up and Lecce scored twice in the 85th and 91st minute respectively and Made it a bit itchy for Sinisa Mihailovic. But anyway, Bologna got the points. They're sitting comfortably up in the top half, I think, aren't they? Yeah, they're nine. Above Milan, obviously. Everyone is. But we'll leave it there. Dove, thank you very much. Well, you're not talking about the Supercoppa. Oh, we should talk about the Supercoppa, shouldn't we? Um, Lazio beat Juventus again. They did. The second time in just over two weeks. 
Well, mm. Juventus have only been, been, been beaten twice this season, and Lazio have done it twice. Is this the end for Juventus, Conor Clancy? What this did you say? Yeah. Juventus have only been beaten twice and Lazio beat them twice. Yeah, They've only been beaten twice this season and then twice within, I think, just over like two weeks. Lazio have beat them twice. Um, and ju- what? I have a question for you. Uh, Lazio, right? Mm-hmm. Are they title contenders? They're six points off. They've beaten Juve twice. Six points off with a game in hand against Hell Asperona. Yeah. So they're probably three points off. Yeah. I, th- I think realistically, no, because just they'll, they'll end up messing up at some point. Um, however, I think Simone Inzaghi, obviously he's won the Cup, he's won the Super Cup twice. The next kind of logical thing for him to do is get in the Champions League, get Lazio in the Champions League, because he's a good coach. And the Lazio particularly against Juventus in the last couple of weeks have been brilliant. And even then, also, like, this season, they've been great. Luis Alberto, brilliant. Senad Lulic, brilliant at the, uh, the weekend. Cataldi, brilliant when he came on. Lazzari, <laughs> brilliant. Acerbi, one of the best centre-backs in the league, if not the best. It's like, the, the, the first team that Lazio have got, and the way that Inzaghi sets them up, is brilliant. And it works. Um, and that's why they're, they've they won the Supercoppa. They're always get into the Coppa Italia final and they're they're kind of in and about Champions League places. And I think the thing that's kind of screwed them over the last few seasons is the, they don't have depth of quality. They've got a really good first team and then maybe a couple of other players that can kind of rotate here and there. But then if they're playing Coppa Italia, Europa League um, and Serie A, it's too much. Yeah, we spoke struggle. about, you said they'll mess it up eventually. Is that just based on last season's... Yeah, but they generally they always have a, a little period where they have a few bad results and it's just kind of what happens. Like, to be fair, most teams, like, Lazio can't go the rest of the season and win every single game. It's impossible, mm. right? So they'll have a wee period where they'll draw a couple of games that they should win or they'll lose a game or two here or there. Um, but I think you look at the teams that are in for the Champions League and Roma are there, Atalanta, and that's it. Napoli are too far behind. Milan, who cares? Um, Cagliari aren't going to keep it up. Parma aren't going to keep it up. So it's basically a three-way fight for the last two Champions League places. Yeah, well, I think I think Lazio will comfortably get third. I, I think Lazio, it's a two-way fight between Roma and Atalanta for fourth place, to yeah. be honest. And, yeah, well, Lazio don't have any European football. So they've got one game a week from now to the end of the season, essentially. Yeah, an advantage then. Which is good, and and even then against Juve, they destroyed them. It's like there was no point in that game where you thought Juventus were unlucky here. Lazio were the better team, and the same as same as at the Olimpico. And the funniest thing, which I think this 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 shows football fans for me, right? Sari this season has lost two games, those two games, and then you get on Twitter, Sari out. It's like Jesus Christ, lads! It's like he's he's lost two games all season. Yeah. In all competitions, and one of them's the Super Copper. Like, to be fair, the Super Copper is not really a big trophy. Um, obviously, like for Lazio, maybe don't win stuff that often, then they can have bragging rights and stuff like that. But it's like for events, they don't care about the Super Copper. Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah, well, those knee-jerk reactions. Have been tweeting Sari out before he even took charge of a game, right? It's just silly. It's silly. But the best thing after it, obviously after Lazio won, was when I think it was Cataldi was taking the the the, the cup through the security gates in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> and obviously when it goes through the metal detector, it goes off. Funnily enough, because it's a giant metal thing. <laughs> and then the security guard, you know how they have the handheld ones, runs it over the cup, and I was like, ah, oh, very good, lad, very good. See, I don't know if he was having a joke because he looked really serious. I think he's just so charismatic that even you... I can't recognise the charisma. Yeah. It's like that, is, that is like off the scale charisma that is. Lazio are just doing bounce now. They, they yeah. see all the funnies on Twitter and they say, I want to do some funnies. You're going to do some of that. You're going to... Did you see? It's like Lotito had a, an interview in English that was kicking about Twitter as well. It's so funny because he can't speak English very well. So I was having oh, a laugh at that. Yeah. 
being yeah. funny. Gasparini did a selfie. Did you see him dance? I did see him dance. That was at like four 0 or something as well, right? The game, the game was still. <laughs> Why didn't we mention this? Atalanta were still playing a football match against AC and he's dancing. Yeah, he's, they cut down. He's dancing on the sidelines. It's great. <laughs> and Gasparini is a very, very serious man during a match. After a game, he's always laughing and joking and having fun, but. During a game, he doesn't let up. He was dancing. That's how bad Milan are. But the Atalanta coach can afford to dance when he's playing against them. I mean, it's good. And then Luis Muriel walked onto the pitch, scored within three minutes, and he was dancing himself. Um, who's the best dancer at Atalanta? Luis Muriel, Papu Gomez, or Giampiero Gasparini? Still Papu. It is he's still got Papu. a song, at least. Ah, he's got a song. You think Gasparini to do a song? Then you'd Dance be like oh, that would be hilarious. That would yeah. be good. Anyway, what a way to end 2019, guys. Um, we're ending the decade on that. But anyway, Dov, thanks for coming on. Have a good Christmas. Have a good New Year. I'll see you in January. You will, indeed. Wonderful. Nice. Mm. Charisma. Uh, Vito, thanks for all your service this year. You're always here. You're always good. You're more charismatic than Dov. And I'll speak <laughs> to you in January. Yes, thanks, Connor. Thanks for a great 2019. At least I saw you guys in person, which made it even better. And yeah, hopefully 2020 can be an improvement on this year. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, yeah, and to all of our listeners who have stuck with us throughout the year, especially to you Milan fans who have suffered a little bit more than the others. Because you deserve it, Connor Clancy. You deserve all the crap you get off them. <laughs> your bias. Yeah. It's like... You're biased against Juve, you're biased against Milan, you're mm. biased against Inso, you're biased against Lazio. Like, yeah. Honestly, there's only... I'm biased like, against Roma, Fiorentina. I'm very biased against Fiorentina. Um, you're biased towards Atalanta. Everything, Atalanta's great. Oh, let's do dancing like Papa's. Yeah. Honestly, 2020, better see a market change and your outlook on Serie A. Sorry, Milan Twitter, but... Otherwise, I will like send Gattuso after you and he will break your knees. Mil- I like Napoli. Milan Twitter the, is the worst place in the world. I make Twitter, no apologies. Twitter is the worst place in the world, let's be honest. Yeah, but especially Milan's little corner. But anyway, um, happy Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. If not, enjoy the next couple of weeks. We are not here next week. We're back the 6th and the 7th they play, or the 5th and the 6th, whenever. They play at the weekend of January. 5th and 6th, Sunday, Sunday, Monday. The Befana. Yeah, so we'll be back with you that Monday night, I suppose, and I'll have a different background. Yeah, I won't, be, my house. I won't be in my house, I'll be in your house, Dove. Right, anyway, bye. Well done. Say goodbye, Dove. No, can't <laughs> tell me what to do.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.